evangelism about the fact that people matter to God. They really do. And as we go through this Christian journey, our arms should not only be wider toward God and worship and praise to Him as we fall more and more in love with Him uh, so that the last day that He gives us, we're spread out as far as we can in love and worship toward the King of kings and Lord of lords. But that's vertical. It also should be horizontal. And that should be to those that God brings us into contact with because they're out there. And when we open our eyes, there are chances that we all have to minister to, to people. God's in the people business. People matter to God. Last week, we talked about clearly communicating the gospel. That it needs to be clearly communicated. Um, and uh, we do that with a plan, of course, but we do that also with the power of the Holy Spirit who comes and, and, and dwells us, of course, and works in our lives when we have those divine appointments. And so we need to clearly communicate the truth of the gospel when God gives us opportunity. We mentioned a little formula called HP, which means high potency, plus CP, which means close proximity, plus CC, which means clear communication, equals maximum impact. When we have those items working, then we have maximum impact. And also shared with you that probably every gospel presentation ought to have four elements worked in it. God, us, our state, where we are, uh, Christ, what Christ has done, and then you. What are you going to do with the truth of the gospel? So those are the two, two things we've covered. Tonight, we're looking at finding the approach that best fits you. Finding the approach. Uh, some people are inclined to believe that there's um, only one way that they can do it or uh, they, they tend to believe that there's only one technique. And, and I told you last week, we teach, our elders sponsor, and we teach two methods here. Evangelism explosion and one verse. Now, there are other methods that you may use on your own. But that's the two that we teach. But there are many, many techniques. But I want to read to you from uh, Packer on evangelism and the sovereignty of God. Listen to what he says. We should be, be silly to ever think that any evangelistic technique, however skillful, could of itself guarantee conversions. There's no technique that guarantees conversions. Second, we must recognize that because man's heart is impervious to the Word of God, it is no cause for surprise if at any time our evangelism fails to result in conversions. They don't always result in conversions. Third, we must remember the terms of our calling are that we should be, and I like this, faithful, not successful. The success is in God's hands. The calling to be faithful, that is ours. God is the one who gives the increase. We're to be faithful. We're to be the, we're to be the ones who give out the good news. And fourth, we must learn to rest all our hopes of fruit and evangelism upon the omnipotent grace of God. So I think that's pretty good. J.I. Packer, Sovereignty of God. I wonder what comes to your mind when you think of the word evangelist. Probably something positive, some of you. Others, negative. It depends on the personalities involved. If it's negative, it's probably an image of Elmer Gantry or perhaps Jimmy Swaggart or Jim Baker or others that we have witnessed and seen what 
what they have done. If it's positive, it's probably Billy Graham or Louis Palau or Billy Sunday or George Whitfield. George Whitfield made 11 trips over to the United States. And they often, well, what I have read said, you were fortunate to make one trip and, not, and maintain your health. He made 11 trips. George Whitfield gave out the gospel evangelistically to thousands without the benefit of what I have and what other people have as far as techniques and ways to amplify. So it's one of those things. But we have probably some with unflattering thoughts and some who feel pretty good about evangelism. You know what the, the latest national survey reported with respondents to uh, professions that we have in the United States? Well, evangelism was at the bottom. Out of 73 occupations, evangel an evangelist was 71. A lot of confidence, isn't there? A lot of encouragement. So you see, we have a problem in the culture because people don't see it as, as being a reputable profession or ministry. And, of course, we've got to change that. Well, the way we do that is we have to face the moment of truth. And uh, some people look at Satan and Satan be involved in, in blocking the gospel. I don't think Satan's behind every tree, but I certainly think that Satan has his plan. And he certainly would fight uh, opportunities for us to present the gospel. He's going to throw up kinds of roadblocks to keep us from sharing the gospel. But I think it's time for the church to put a stop to all of the negative stuff and all the, the stuff of the enemy and start sharing the truth. Because it's our privilege. It's our privilege to evangelize. And it's tragic when we who have been given so much do not share that with other people when we keep it contained within ourselves and don't spread it out. See, the gospel is great news. Jimmy has said, I love it. The gospel is better news than we ever thought. It is. It's great news. It's freeing. It's empowering. Why don't we tell people? Uh, God knew what he was doing when he made you and when he made me. And thank God he's made us all different. And he wants you to fashion the way you share your, your faith and the gospel around the way that he made you, around your personality and about who you are. You see, God doesn't call us to share in all, all of us to share in the same way. He's built diversity in the body of Christ, and there's going to be different ways that the body shares the truth of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 12:11 says this, "But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills." And so if it's true that the Holy Spirit really distributes spiritual gifts to each just to each person just as he determines, then we have to rely on the work of the Spirit. Richard teaches spiritual gifts here. I don't know how many classes, Richard, you've taught, but many people you've trained or given that gift test to, and I think it's a, it's a very good thing that we do here. And we all have spiritual gifts, but we all have responsibility in evangelism. And as I kick off these approaches, I want you to turn in your scriptures with me to 2 Timothy 4 or 5. Would you do that? 2 Timothy 4 5. 
We've all got roles to play. We've all got gifts to use. But we all have responsibility with evangelism. And if you turn to 2 Timothy 4, 5, let me read. But you, of course he's speaking to Timothy, but I certainly like to personalize that. I certainly see him speaking to me. But you, Jeff, you know, right, right into my kitchen. How about you? But you, but you, be watchful. Keep your head, get your head up. Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Discharge all the duties of your ministry, he is saying. But part of that is in the area of evangelism. All right, so if that's the case, and let's find the approach that fits you. Um, God has, in the New Testament, shown us many different ways that he's equipped New Testament saints for evangelism. We're going to be looking at some scripture verses as well as the styles. I hope you in the back can see that and see the verses that we're going to be looking at. But I've got listed six of them up there. Six styles, six six ways uh, or approaches for evangelism. And the first one is Peter. And I think you know him pretty well as you've read the scriptures. Peter was confrontational. That's an approach. The confrontational approach. Um, Jesus... uh, Asked him one time, who do you say I am? You know, he said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. Uh, Yet Peter was also the one that challenged Jesus about his mission statement. Uh, He'd get in your face. Some of you who play sports and athletics know what that's like. Uh, Peter was confrontational. He didn't mind conflict. He'd get right in there. And if he was convinced he's right, there's no stopping him. He was direct. He was bold. He was right to the point. But let me point out to you, it was Peter that God used as a spokesman on the day of Pentecost. Would you turn in your scriptures to the verse that's listed up there? Would you turn with me to Acts chapter 2? Acts chapter 2. The first approach is the confrontational approach. Peter is an example. Let's see, I better do the same. Now, Peter's sermon starts in the 14th verse. We're going to pick up at the the 36th verse where he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut. They were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. He nailed them. He was confrontational. He went right to the point. And you know as you read through Acts, many people came to Christ through that approach. Is that you? You know, are you confrontational? You know, I knew a guy one time, his great evangelist, got saved when he was 40 years old. Howard. He was a pig farmer. That's what he'd tell him. 
I'm a pig farmer, but then he'd go right into it. And uh, the thing about Howard, uh, he never passed up a hitchhiker. He always picked up hitchhikers. And before he was through, he'd give them the gospel. He was confrontational. He'd take it to them. He'd take it right to them. What are you going to do with it? Well, some, to some, of course, that turns them off. But there are individuals that need that kind of approach. They need to be, you know, hit right between the eyes with the truth. And we need confrontational people with evangelism. Are you? Yeah, we've got a group of 60 in here tonight. There may be a couple. Confrontational. The second one is intellectual. The intellectual approach. And we're going to use Paul. Now, you're saying, but, but Paul was confrontational. Yeah, he was at times. There were times when he was confrontational. Of course, an evangelist, somebody who's sharing their faith, could use different ones in different situations. But the main one, I think, for Paul, the main strategy or the main approach for Paul was intellectual. Um, and the, that was the hallmark of his approach. He could be logical. He could, be, he could reason with the best of them. Uh, and he could get the job done. All you got to do is read Romans or listen to Dr. Young next fall, and you'll hear the logical presentation of the gospel that Paul makes again and again and again. Uh, when we were over in Cuba, Ben was my intellectual one. Ben Clark. He, he, he could do that. And whenever I got in one of those situations, I'd say, Ben, take over. Because I'm a little more confronting and I have some other ways of doing it, and Ben would take over. And he would logically present the gospel to him. So, I know we got one in here that's intellectual. I would suspect we have more. But that's a, that's a good approach, too. Would you turn with me to Acts 17? A couple more chapters over. Acts 17. Starting at verse 16. As he speaks to the philosophers at Athens... The Apostle Paul. Now, while Paul, Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Notice the word, reasoned. Paul reasoned with them. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler or seed picker want to say? Others said, He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods. We've never heard this before, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. For you're bringing strange things to our ears, therefore we want to know what these things mean. And he goes on, and in 23rd, he says, I was passing through considering the objects of your worship, and I even found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, he's the one I proclaim to you. And he goes on with how God made the world and put a very rational, reasonable presentation of the gospel. And it's not only here, as I mentioned before, it's all through Romans. The intellectual approach. A good approach. A certainly a good approach. Uh, I'd put our pastor right up there. I think he could intellectually deal with most people with the gospel. And uh, I think he, he is very good at it. 
Okay, is the next one Matthew? I can't see. Is Matthew? Okay. Matthew's was an inter, uh, interpersonal approach. Um, he was the tax collector who became an evangelist. And he used relationships. He had built with men over the years. And he sought to take them from a place of relationship to a higher spiritual level. Le- uh, level. Uh, turn to Matthew, back to the Gospel of Matthew, and let's look at his approach. Matthew 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened, as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Who do you think invited him? Why did he invite him? He knew him. He had established a relationship with him. Of course, when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Um, But go and learn what this means, because I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Matthew, interpersonal approach. Do you enjoy talking to somebody over a cup of coffee or a Coke or whatever? Do you enjoy getting to know someone and then eventually taking uh, that relationship to a spiritual plane? If you are, your approach is interpersonal. And it's a very good one today because when you look at the statistics, most people come to Christ through a relationship because they know someone, because someone has taken the time to develop a relationship and earn the right and the opportunity to share Christ with them, the interpersonal approach. The fourth one is the testimonial approach. And we use the the blind man as an example here because there was no theological debate with him. As, As we'll see in a moment, he did not debate them. He said, I'm a Christian through the experimental method. I have experienced it. And that's very hard to argue with. When someone tells you, this, Jesus, I have experienced. He is my Savior. He is mine. I have experienced Him. Uh, And I want to tell you that if you have the garden variety testimony, you know, it's not spectacular. That's what I call it. The garden variety That's wonderful. For some reason, in our churches and in our Christian culture, we seem to think that the only one that can share a testimony is one that's very dramatic. Uh, Well, there's nothing wrong with a dramatic testimony. But there's nothing wrong with the garden variety either. And uh, so don't, you know, don't minimize that. Use your testimony. Be quick to share your testimony in sharing the, the gospel. It's a great approach. Okay, turn to John chapter 9. You're already there, aren't you? Let's start at 24. You know Jesus had had healed him and given his sight back. Verse 24. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. 
We know that this man is a sinner. They're not talking about the blind man here. They're talking about the one who healed the blind man. And he answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, here's the testimony. One thing I do know, that I was blind and now I can see. Then they said to him again, What did he do? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already and you didn't listen. Why? Do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And uh, then in the 30th verse, The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he's opened my eyes. You don't know anything about him. And yet he just did a miracle in my life. I've been blind all my life. Now I can see. The testimonial approach is, is one that most people can do. It's probably the easiest one to do. Uh, I would really challenge you to think about your testimony and how you can present it when the opportunity is there. Those who, of us who are going to Guatemala, we've written ours out trying to condense it because when you go through interpreters, you don't have time to spiel off 20, 25 minutes. You have to say a piece and then a piece and then they respond. But it's, it's good sometimes to, to look at your testimony and, and jot it down and, and think about it. So when God opens the, the door of opportunity, if you have a chance to share your testimony, you can do it. And then you can always say, would you like to make the same decision I made? Or would you like to know the same Christ I know? Uh, I can help you or I can take you to someone who can. The testimonial approach. Number five is the invitational approach. This is a, another one that we all can do. The invitational approach. Uh, the example here we're using is the Samaritan woman. But she had a lot of negatives against her. She was Samaritan. She was a, she was a woman of that day. and That was a bad thing. And she was living an immoral lifestyle. And you know that society had disqualified her. And yet, Jesus didn't. None of that stopped him. And when she became convinced that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, she invited her friends to hear. Look at verse, uh, let's see, John 4, 29. John 4, 29. I'm in the wrong chapter. Come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. She invited him. They came. They came. And they came to him. They gave Jesus the opportunity to share with them. So she was an inviter. She used the invitational approach. We hear George Barna quoted a bunch. Did you know that he states that 25% of the adults in the United States would go to church if a friend asked them. That's the figure. 25% of the people you're in contact with, maybe your neighbor or friends or whatever, one-fourth of them would come if you just simply asked them. Hey, you got a great preacher, got a, got a great music program, got great teaching, right on down, you know how to worship here. It's a great church, and it is. Come, check it out. One out of four would come with you if you just invite them, if you just ask them to come. And I, and I really believe you've got 
you've got reason to ask them to come to. There's something to ask them to come and see and be involved in. Um, we had an evangelism zone meeting uh, with staff and elders tonight. And uh, we're looking at a day, a Sunday, where maybe we do something old-fashioned like that. That we have a special day. And that we uh, have... Uh, it was suggested, Jim, that on that night that the men sing or the youth sing. On that day, excuse me. Worship service, if, if we have it, if it comes to pass. That the, the men or the, or the youth sing. That would, would draw the people in. That we would have Bibles on the chairs for those who didn't have them. Uh, that we would do some special things. And really encourage people to come. Now, don't say that's Baptist. That doesn't have to be Baptist. To have a, have a Sunday where you invite your neighbor. You know, that's just outreach. That's just caring about people. That's the invitational approach. And uh, if this comes to pass, you'll be hearing more about it. But I'm really excited about it. We shared it with the women last week and the women's ministry. They came up with some great ideas. And so we're moving toward that direction. You know, get on, you know, jump on with it. Don't, you know, don't fight it. We need to invite people. We need to ask them. When is the last time you asked somebody to come to church? When was the last time? You proud of your God? You love Jesus? You think the body of Christ meets here? You think we have something to share? I'd say yes to all those things. Then why don't we ask? Okay, that's the invitational approach. And then the sixth one is the service approach. Um, let's turn to Acts 9. Acts chapter 9. Dorcas is the individual here, and many of you know that she was a seamstress. And the Bible says she was always doing good and always helping the poor. She did acts of service. She was a servant. She did things for people. But what she did for people would ultimately lead them into facing this Jesus face to face. And uh, we know that she died a premature death, but she was so important to the ministry they raised her. God raised her from the dead. Um, Peter was the individual, but she was raised from the dead to put her back in service. The person who is a servant and uses service as their evangelist, evangelistic approach do things that no one sees. And I know there are people out there that do stuff I don't see. Oh, well, I see Harold mowing the, mowing the pasture out there. Yeah, I see him out there. I see people doing many things. But you can use service as your evangelistic approach. Uh, they like to show their compassion through tangible action. Kathy uh, Williams shared with uh, me in a, a meeting I was at this past week uh, about something she did that I think is in the area of service. I thought it was very creative, Kathy. But uh, I don't know if you remember it. Uh, but I think you will when I tell it. Um, Somebody came door-to-door, door, and door-to-door door came to her house. And uh, they were, it was a young man. And uh, he was selling magazines. And Kathy met him and, and talked to him for a while. And then she said, well, come on in. And she said, I'll buy one of your magazines if you'll let me tell you about Jesus. That's neat. That's creative. 
That's, that's a service in a way. She provided a service by helping this young man who's, I'm sure, needing the money. And, but she earned the right to share the gospel. Uh, that's the thing that a servant will do. So there are the approaches. Um, which one is you? Or maybe you use several of them depending upon the situation you're in. And there may be others. I'm not saying this is the only list. There could be others. But the idea, again, is to show you that there is an approach that will fit you. And it's not the technique. It's the Lord Jesus Christ working in, through the power of the Holy Spirit, calling people to himself that gets the job done. Now, I want to list up here some, some uh, techniques and, uh, and see, see if, those, if you know any of these. As I mentioned, EE is done here. We're offering an EE course in September. It's the most comprehensive um, technique and approach I know of. It's very comprehensive. And we have some good guys and some, some good men and women here that know this inside out, uh, love people, love to share this strategy, this method, and then they go out and knock on doors. Uh, it's a good, comprehensive. Uh, the one I teach is called OVE, One Verse Evangelism. And it's centered on Romans 6.23. Uh, and you build your outline through it. Uh, I teach it from time to time uh, in the church year. There is another one that's called The Bridge where they separate man and God and Jesus because of their sins and Jesus Christ becomes the bridge. I know that probably some of you have heard of it before. Um, man's problem, God's solution, uh, Jesus is the answer. There is the Roman road. Uh, some people have this marked in their Bible. There's three verses in Romans. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 10.13. And as you go through those steps, uh, you can uh, share Jesus with them. Some use the baseball. Comparing life to a baseball game to use as getting the gospel out. There is the airplane method. There is the evangelism cube. We use this in Cuba. And it was very good. When we were using the translator, we could show them pictures in this cube of the gospel. There is what Campus Crusade calls the four spiritual laws. Have you seen that? The four spiritual laws are another one. And I've seen in the down in the elementary the colors illustration. Are there others that you know? Would you add to my list? Any other? You know of any other techniques? Not sure in the gospel. That's it. Okay, there's probably some more. The point is, what's important is that you share, that you do the work of an evangelist. And here at Grace, you have the opportunities to be involved in two plans. And whatever plan you choose, be faithful, share the truth, sow the seed, water the seed, and then let God get the increase. I shared with you last week, don't ever give up on God. You'll find out years later, people who've come to Christ because you took the time to share it with them. As I mentioned, we're, 
we're striving to uh, create a climate of evangelism. We would like everybody to be a part of that. And you know, wouldn't wouldn't it be wonderful? That's one of the things we talked about on Sunday mornings. Who you contacted, who you shared with, uh, what exciting time you had in, in sharing the good news. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us uh, so great a gospel to share. The good news of the gospel. Lord, we heard it. You called. We responded. And we became new creatures in Christ. We repented of our sins. We were regenerated. We were justified. Lord, we, we were, are changed individuals because of what you did by the Spirit in our lives. Lord, if that's such good news, if that's so refreshing to us, God, we would not want to keep it to ourselves. So I pray you would build within the body here at Grace a confidence that with a little training and the power and the potency of the Holy Spirit, they too, in some way, can tell others the good news that they have heard. Build within them the confidence that, that with Christ with them, they can do all things. Lord, we thank you for those who have come these past three weeks. Pray that, uh, Lord, that uh, it can make some impact in their lives that will result in, in souls being in heaven. And we'll thank you. We'll praise you. We'll give you great glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, thanks for coming. Jim, next Wednesday, Ruth, the book of Ruth. Love story, isn't it, Jim? A good love story. Good night. God bless you. Climate of evangelism. Go out and set it.